from Trimble Construction, you're listening to the Connected Construction Show, where we connect you to the contractors, owners, designers, engineers, and construction professionals who are finding better ways to work. And now, here's your host, Matt Sprague. Hello, and welcome back to the Connected Construction Show. I am your host, Matt Sprague. Uh, very excited uh, to have our guest here today. Uh, before we get to our guest, also uh, excited to have back again uh, our co-host, uh, Sumile Adelana, who is the Senior Strategic Marketing Lead at Trimble. Uh, Sumile, hello. Welcome back. Nice to be back. Thanks for having me again. It's our pleasure. <laughs> um, and getting right into it, so we have uh, Adam Amansky who is the founder and CEO of Climate Twin um, with us today. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, I think it was four years ago that you and I met in a small coffee shop in Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, when uh, you were working on uh, another company, which was Weatherbuild. Uh, and uh, since then, we've had conversations, and then you've uh, you've you've now moved into to Climate Twin. But uh, before we get into Climate Twin and everything like that, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, your your background, yep. uh, what you do at Climate Twin, uh, but even you know, kind of what build up to that. Yep, uh, great. Um, so I started my career as an architect, uh, built, building architects, not a software architect. Um, practiced here uh, in Boston. I'm based in Boston. Um, and then I moved overseas to Budapest, Hungary, um, uh, to the owner side in an owner's uh, project management role. Um, we developed a luxury hotel um, over in Budapest. Um, after Budapest, I uh, came back to Boston um, for school. Uh, and then based on some of the uh, challenges and, and pains I experienced uh, overseas um, in an owner's uh, product management role, um, I started a company called Dallas Systems, which was early field management software for the construction industry. So think iPads on construction sites. Um, at Bella, we had programs for quality, safety, commissioning, uh, materials management, handover, and field BIM, so building information modeling. Uh, in the field. Uh, that company was acquired by Autodesk, uh, and it's now Autodesk BIM 360, BIM 360 field, uh, which you're probably familiar with. Um, after that, I went out and began interviewing uh, many of my former customers, um, all top contractors and owners, and I was hearing over and over again this problem of weather um, in the construction industry. Um, in many cases, product teams and field crews would look at um, generic weather forecasts. Um, in some cases, use guesswork or, or maybe best judgment as to proceed ahead with the work or not, or maybe move the crane pick to later in the day or later in the week. Um, so there was clear that there was a problem of, of uh, weather in, in the construction industry. Uh, at the same time, I partnered with a a multidisciplinary research and development company based here in Boston uh, and on the West Coast. Uh, and at the time, they were developing a solution um, uh, in agriculture, ag tech. 
Um, and they had also um, started a company called Dark Sky, uh, which was recently acquired by Apple. It's now Apple's uh, default weather. Um, so uh, we started WeatherBuild, which is weather decision support for the construction industry uh, and built environment. Uh, we had both scheduled reports and real-time alerts that were deeply integrated to the uh, project schedule. Uh, that company was acquired by an industrial holdings company uh, in October of last year that's primarily focused on um, uh, aggregate supply chain management. Um, and uh, during my time at Weatherbuild, we, we were hearing about the need for uh, a longer term, more strategic solution, looking out years and decades, if you can imagine, as opposed to um, minutes, hours, and days. So for us, this was a, a different company, different uh inputs, different product, um, different customers. Um, so that was part of the impetus uh, to start Climate Twin. So essentially, it was kind of like really kind of digging into that a little bit more in terms of the impetus. So in terms of the the weather build to Climate Twin. So weather build, um, if, 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 I, if I understood you correctly, was very um, uh, uh, short-term uh, uh, weather... Uh, information to make adjustments, if you will, uh, whether it's for um, schedule, but also for safety purposes, where Climate Twin was like, hey, can we can we move this to a little bit more future looking? So as we start to schedule the projects that we're going to do, where is the best, where's the sweet spot uh, in order to to best schedule this project so that weather doesn't affect it uh, as as uh, as poorly, if you will, is that is that kind of the gist? Um, yeah, that's right. So we're looking out years and decades. Um, our models go out to 2070, so about 50 years, um, if you can imagine, based on um, two wow. greenhouse gas emission scenarios, high and very high. Uh, regrettably, we've already passed the point of no return for low emission scenarios and. Um, sort of moderate or medium scenarios are the are the status quo nowadays. Um, and with with Climate Twin, we're focused on um, primarily three user groups: so uh, engineers, owner operators, and governments. Whereas with WeatherBuild, uh, we were primarily focused on contractors, general contractors, uh, construction managers, EPCs. I, I want to maybe just dig in a little bit more, Adam, sure. uh, in terms of like. The uh, how does this relate to obviously uh, to the to the climate crisis um, that 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 we're experiencing slash expecting to continue um, and and how that might relate to our to any infrastructure vulnerabilities? Yep, that's well, a big question. Um, so you, you can break it up into smaller ones if you want. Yeah, so so we're helping uh, infrastructure stakeholders mitigate climate risks. Uh, assess adaptation actions, prioritize uh, resiliency spend. So if you're a consulting engineer um, or um, a large owner um, uh, with geographically distributed assets, you know, how do you prioritize um, your hardening spend over the next 10, 20, uh, 50 years? Um, I think we have about an 8 to 10-year uh, time window of opportunity now to um, uh, to take to take action um, in terms of um, addressing the the climate crisis. Um, you know, regrettably, uh, as as we know, um, 
America's infrastructure is uh, generally poor nowadays. Um, I think C minus, right? That's right. Yeah, the ASC uh, report card ranked our infrastructure at, at C minus. So it's already failing um, uh, to compound matters. Um, uh, many, many standards and, and practices assume a future climate uh, the same as today's, um, which is not sustainable uh, moving forward. We look at the benefits through a number of lenses. Um, the first is saving lives. So health, health safety, and um, welfare of, of our communities. Um, the second um, is, is the resilience economics, the, the monetary return. Uh, it's somewhere in the order of, of magnitude of, of five to 10 X. So savings in the um, billions or, or hundreds of billions, if you look at infrastructure um, worldwide. Um, and we also know that it, it's more cost effective if, if you look at a, a benefit cost analysis over the lifetime of assets to, uh, to, to, take, to take action now or in the near future, as opposed to waiting um, after the fact, you know, 10, 20 um, years in the future. You know, we look at both acute and chronic climate hazards. You can think of a acute uh, climate hazards as um, extreme weather as a result of climate change. So things like um, storm surges, uh, flash floods, um, extreme rainfall, um, or um, severe drought, on the other hand. So, so those are all impacting us um, nowadays. Just turn on the news. Uh, you, you can see wildfires on the West Coast and, uh, you know, floods um, uh, in the Gulf Coast. Um, just, uh, drought was drought in, in the East Coast. Heat waves, wildfires. In fact, um, we're, we're currently working on wildfires, uh, uh, wildfire models as they relate to the uh, energy infrastructure and specific electric utilities. Um, uh, we currently have models for temperature, precipitation, wind, and sea level rise, but both coastal and riverine sea level rise. Um, wildfires are complex in that they're um, compounded or, or exacerbated by other factors. So think high temperature, uh, low humidity, high wind, uh, low precipitation, uh, plus a range of other environmental factors. Um, uh, in, in the case of electric utilities, uh, you know, when it's hot in the summer, um, people are using um, more electricity, running air conditioning. It puts additional demand on um, electric utilities, power line systems, uh, overhead utility systems. Um, and in turn, that, that can um, uh, overload systems and, uh, and, and trigger wildfires. So when, when you're trying to do the, 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 the climate risk analysis. Yep. So what, what are, what are your current challenges in, in trying to, trying to put that together? Yeah. So, so there are a number of challenges. Um, so uh, raw climate models are readily available nowadays from both public and private sources. So we, we aggregate raw climate models from a number of sources. Um, one of the challenges uh, is that those models are first locked in scientific formats. So you need to be a climate data scientist uh, in order to understand the models. 
Um, second, uh, the, the global climate models are at a very high resolution, somewhere between 100 to 300 kilometers, um, which is great if, um, uh, if, if you're a, a state or a country. Um, it's not great if you're um, uh, an engineer or an owner or operator of infrastructure assets. Um, so we use some proprietary techniques to downscale those models from about 100 to 300 kilometers down to about a kilometer, which is the, the local scale of infrastructure assets. Um, so that's the, the first challenge. The second challenge is then connecting those um, models to, um, to the assets. Um, we, we use some digital twin um, technology. So it could be um, as complex as a city or an electric utility that has a million utility poles distributed a, across a region, um, um, you know, or it could be a, a model of uh, an individual asset like a, uh, a a bridge or a dam or um, a plant, uh, for example. So, so that's the, the second challenge is, is connecting the climate models um, to the digital twins. Now, uh, you think digital twin, uh, many folks think about three-dimensional model or a building information model. Um, in, in many cases, it is, it is a model. Um, it other, in other cases, it may be something as simple as, um, uh, in, in the case of a utility pole, um, an ID that corresponds to a metal tag on a pole uh, together with a lat long, a geographic location of the pole and some other data and metadata. Uh, and then the third, the third challenge is the, um, the risk analytics um, uh, af after we connect the climate models and, and the digital twins. Um, so, so you have a, a million utility poles geographically distributed. Uh, the, the poles are at different elevations, um, uh, different ages. They may be inspected at, at, at different times. Um, how do you prioritize your resiliency spend? What poles do you uh, harden or shore up what poles do you uh, replace uh, and and you know over what time period so that's the uh, that's the other challenge um, you know clearly uh, with uh, many geographically distributed assets um, it, this is only a problem that a machine can solve with a computer um, uh, whereas it, it may be um, uh, somewhat less challenging if you have an individual asset like a bridge or Dan, that's interesting because you're you're um, prior to that last well, that last challenge that you just explained. My, my brain, the way it was it, it was thinking about climate twin was purely on um, uh, the the planning and design phase uh, of a of a project, but very much on the asset management and 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 uh, so the operations and maintenance of existing assets as well. Uh, so that, that was, um, that was an interesting, interesting piece to kind of, uh, open my mind to it. Yep. So, uh, in, a, in an effort to continue to open my mind, uh, to, to how this works a little bit, uh, at least for me, it's, it's all around like use cases and stories and whatnot. So are, do you have like some, some, some customer stories that you could share with us in terms of how they're, how, how they've implemented climate twin and, and some of the benefits that they've gained from it? Uh, well, right now, um, based on market feedback, we're focusing in on uh, energy infrastructure, as I noted in specific uh, overhead utility systems and power line systems. So 
we're in the in the process of um, a, a complex analysis um, uh, for over a million and a half um, utility poles and uh, overhead lines. Um, not 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 ready to uh, uh, report the successes um, as of now, but but we're excited um, about the progress. What are the like ex expected? So, for if, if they're not being able to 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 report it, so what are what's you know what's what's the expectation in, in terms of the benefits? Yeah, it's it's um, you know first helping the the owner and operator and and the um, consulting engineers um, prioritize the the hardening spend. Um, um, Prioritize the adaptation actions um, across large, uh, you know, large network of uh, uh, utility services. And when you say hardening, does that mean um, shoring up, yeah. replacing? Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Uh, that, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, <laughs> outright replacement, um, uh, shoring up uh, poles and lines, for example. Um, evaluating alternative options like um, putting lines underground, um, which uh, in some cases may not always be an option, um, uh, relocating lines. And I guess overall the benefit for the owner operator is that A, they have less losses, like in the event of an extreme weather event, uh, their infrastructure is more resilient, so there's less loss of that power supply to the places that need it. There's less loss of capital and infrastructure, um, and and it, it just all supports itself and helps helps the entire thing keep running, right? Like so, long term, that's the benefit. Yes, I, we all we all depend on uh, electricity nowadays. Um, I think the uh, few facilities that are self sufficient, you know, some may work on solar, others may have uh, you know twenty four hour uh, diesel generator backup. But um, you know, we yeah, we depend on electricity. Yeah, great. Um, and I guess as a follow up to what Matt just asked, you know, your solution is is potentially unique to the market and the problems that this specific market faces. Um, is there is there anything that differentiates Climate Twin from other products on the market? Uh, yeah, a, a number of things, and and it's going back to. Uh, some of the challenges I discussed. Um, first, we use some proprietary techniques to, to downscale um, the climate models. Um, we use some of our own uh, solutions to um, connect the climate models to um, to the infrastructure assets. Um, and on top of that is, is the risk analysis. Um, I should note that we do leverage um, an Earth Sciences supercomputer, um, which uh, is purpose-built for, um, uh, for, you know, for, uh, for uh, Earth systems models uh, and this type of climate change analysis. Um, of course, you could do it in, in on other platforms like Amazon Web Services or uh, Microsoft Azure, um, but it's significantly more efficient to use this uh, this Earth Sciences group. Interesting. Yep. Matt, did you have one more question? I have a couple more. Shall I go? 
Let them roll. <laughs> okay, okay. I guess so. So right now the focus is on you know energy um, supply and, and those types of inf infrastructures, um, and predominantly in North America, I would, I would imagine. Um, what's next for climate change? Um, <laughs> uh, well, I, I noted we're working on the um, uh, compounding and cascading events events that exacerbate uh, like w wildfire. Um, you know, we're also developing our tools to be flexible and extensible so that they can extend to um, other adjacent sectors. So um, clearly there's a demand uh, in energy. Uh, we recognize there's also a demand in um, uh, transportation, um, roads, bridges, um, in, in cities, you know, in, in buildings, you know, could be um, a high rise or skyscraper uh, or an airport or any other kind of um, vertical construction. Um, so, yeah, focused on on energy for the time being. Uh, focused on um, uh, compounding and cascading events next, uh, with the understanding that we could expand to to adjacent sectors. We have heard the need, uh, for example, in transportation, um, but it's it's not a focus. So. As of now, um, clearly with the uh, IIJA, um, there's a tremendous uh, amount of money from from the federal government now to support um, uh, climate change uh, and infrastructure resiliency. And just to clarify, for those who aren't in the U.S., it's the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act in the U.S. Yeah. Imagine? Yes. Okay. Great. 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 I, I, I'll be the I'll be the eyes for the rest of the global audience. I got you guys. <laughs> I guess looking ahead 20, 2030, what yeah. kind of impact would you imagine that climate twin has made? How do you how do you uh, envision the kind of impact that climate twin might have had? Yeah, uh, I mean nowadays uh, a structural engineer, for example, will do uh, structural analysis of a bridge. Um, or a building as um, as a standard practice, um, uh, as part of the sort of professional uh, code of ethics. I, I see the same with climate risk analysis, that um, every uh, asset, both you know, new construction or existing assets, will um, you know, get the same degree of, of climate risk analysis. So I expect it to be um, standard moving forward. Regrettably, it, it's it's not a standard now, and really varies um, um, sort of state by state, or owner by owner, or asset by asset. But um, um, I expect it to be a standard in in the near future. Um, in in the same way that you, um, you do a structural analysis, or in many cases, an environmental analysis. How exciting would it be? If that was the case across the entire world, because you know climate change is affecting every every single nation and every single region, so it would be so cool if it was like embedded into the curriculum for building environment professionals, and it just kind of seeps into the way that we do work. Yeah, I, I'm confident. Yeah. Uh, I'm confident we'll get there. Um, that that's uh, where 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 the industry and, and practice is headed now. <laughs> Yeah, it, it almost seems like it, the natural progression here is 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 for it to to plug into 
artificial intelligence. So it's going from um, uh, 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 um, predictive to subscript uh, to to prescriptive. Mm -hmm. I mixed up those words for a second there, but, but, you know, you're, you're, ha you're, you're having to actively, um, you know, as a structural engineer, go in and, and, and be able to pull up the models from climate twin to be able to get the information as opposed to when they start, like, you know, having it being plugged directly into, in, into the, into the tools that they're utilizing to create these pieces and, Whatever they might do, like they, they you know, they, they try to put a certain element in, and it'll be like that's not a good idea. Yeah. Like you should probably think about X Y Z unless you move this into an in completely different geography or something along those lines. But it, it's it's exciting to to hear these type of uh, um, early stage, um, uh, you know, uh, data evolution type of tools. Yep, that, that's exactly where we see it headed. Um, to your point, Matt. Um, um, comparing baselines, you know, where we are today uh, with actual outcomes or ground truth uh, based on um, extreme weather um, uh, compared to uh, longer term um, probabilistic forecasts. Uh, you know, we also cool. see the connection um, with IoT, so weather stations, sensor suites, data loggers, rain gauges um, to um, uh, feed that uh, those actual outcomes of ground truth back into into the model. Well, we are uh, we are at our last question. Uh, as every guest is subjected to the last question, you are going to be no different, Adam. Uh, so it is: What is your motto, or what is a motto that you find intriguing that is uh, interesting in terms of business or personal to to kind of direct how you live? Sure. Um, so I've I've. Uh, Two wonderful children now, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and, and you know, being a, a husband and a father, um, it's really invested me in uh, generational thinking and environmental stewardship. So, um, how how are my actions and decisions uh, benefiting future generations? And it's really forced me to ask, um, what world will my children uh, uh, grow up in? Uh, how will the world be for my children in, um, you know, in 50 years, um, in, in 2070? So that, that's what's driving me, um, you know, personally, uh, professionally um, with, with climate when it's really about um, benefiting future generations. And, and I think the, um, the onus now is on, um, on the architecture, engineering, construction industry um, to, um, to, to drive that change. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, and before we let you go, uh, just in case anybody in our uh, audience uh, wants to learn more about Climate Twin, wants to connect with you, how do they find you? How do they learn more? Yeah, sure. So go to climatetwin.com uh, or you can email us at info at climatetwin.com. Awesome. Well, again, uh, thank you so much, Adam, for joining us today and sharing your story about Climate Twin. Uh, Sumale, thank you very much for joining us and being able to add some really insightful questions to the conversation. And as always, thank you to everybody for uh, listening or watching, depending on where, where you're seeing this or hearing this. Uh, and until next time, everybody, stay connected. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Construction Show. For more information, visit us at connectedconstructionshow.com.